Much of what is known of the Norse myths comes from the 10th century onwards. Until this time, and indeed for centuries afterwards, Norse culture, particularly that of Iceland, where the myths were eventually transcribed, was an oral culture. In fact, in all Scandinavian countries well into the 13th century, laws were memorized by officials known as law speakers, who recited them at the thing. The thing was the legislative assembly in Scandinavia held for judicial purposes. One of the most famous of these law speakers was the Icelander Snorri Sturluson, a masterful writer who wrote the Prose Edda in the 13th century. There are other sources for the Norse myths, namely the later Poetic Edda, a collection of poems and prose work, and other sagas, but the Snorri's Prose Edda is the most complete work whose attribution is known to modern scholars. The Prose Edda is a collection of Norse myths split into three sections, the Gilf Arginning, the Deluding of Gilfi, the Skalds Kapar Mal, the language of poetry, and the Hatatal, the enumeration of meters. The first has a frame story that entails a Swedish king, Gilfi, disguising himself as an old man, Gangleri, when he journeys to Asgard to meet the gods. When he arrives, he meets three men, High One, Just as High, and Third, who reveal to him stories of the world and the gods. The second section contains a warning for Christians not to believe in the Norse gods, specifically the two families, the Aesir and the Vanir, but also refutes the notion that they were demons, which was a common supposition among Christians at the time. The Prose Edda begins in this line of thought, with a humoristic prologue, which traces the history of the Norse gods as human heroes of Troy, making Thor one of King Priam's sons. It is believed that Snorri, a Christian, recorded these pagan beliefs so as to preserve and explain the stylistic poetry of Iceland, particularly the popular descriptive devices known as kennings. A kenning is made up of a base word and a modifying word that is used to describe a separate object. For example, gold had a great many kennings, one of which was Sif's hair. If, however, the memory of Loki cutting off Sif's hair and replacing it with gold were lost, then this kenning would make no sense to later readers. There are many of these allusions to the myths, and it is thanks to them that the myths have survived. The Norse myths also appear to follow a chronological narrative, which the historian John Lindo describes as having a mythical past, present, and future. Loki features in each of these literary epochs, and it helps to understand the complexity of his character, as well as the belief system, to view the myths in this way. One of the most fascinating elements of Norse cosmology is the fact that its end is foretold in crushing detail. This end of times will come about in a mighty battle called Ragnarok, an event translated as either the fate of the gods, or in Richard Wagner's reimagining, the twilight of the gods. Moreover, not only is the event foretold, but the characters of this drama seem to know of its coming. This is in line with the Germanic faith in the concept of fate. For the German pagans, fate or destiny was an integral part of human existence. While people may not know them ahead of time, their stories are written before they are born, and this was true of the gods as well. Although the gods seemed to accept their fates, this concept was not the same as that of destiny in Christianity especially Calvinist predestination, because the Norse believed that fate could perhaps be warped and shifted, 